brands are more so looking to work with what they consider regular everyday people or people who you feel you can resonate with, right? That you could be friends with, that you would go and have coffee with. Hi, my name is Kara Myers and welcome to the Travel Business Lounge. Each week, I chat with women who have built incredible businesses in the travel and tourism industry. You'll hear their inspirational stories of success. We went from 2,000 a month to about 70, 72,000 a month. Um, in that span of, of nine years. And struggle. I wish that I could tell you that I pivoted really quickly and like jumped back on my feet and I, I did it. And what they learned along the way. Give yourself the grace of knowing that it's not going to happen overnight and you're going to make a ton of mistakes. And as long as you learn from them and move forward, that's okay. So grab a coffee, hit subscribe, and get ready to learn and feel inspired. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Travel Business Lounge. My name is Kara, and this is the place where we celebrate and learn from female entrepreneurs in the travel industry. My goodness, is this a good episode or what? I've been so excited to finally share this one with you because we are featuring Rachel Hill of Rachel Travels, a travel influencer, teacher, author, marketing guru, and just all around entrepreneurial force. I was so excited when she agreed to come on the podcast because she was just one of those people whose names kept popping up, people that I knew or that I followed on different social platforms would mention Rachel, Rachel Hill. And I was so excited to finally get in touch with her and for her to agree to come on the podcast because she is a wealth of knowledge. Rachel was an influencer for a long time, but in recent years has shifted a little bit to teaching others how to be influencers and how to harness digital marketing to grow their travel brands. So in today's episode, she really dives deep into what it means to be an influencer today in 2022 and how you can still continue to harness social media to grow a massive following. And the thing that I love most about this episode is she really focuses in on the strategies you need to use if you want to be an influencer or do better with pitching to brands and increasing the number of brands and sponsorships that you're working with. She lays out a roadmap for approaching brands, for partnerships, for sponsorships, and just pitching in general. She is a pitching mastermind when it comes to approaching brands. And you don't have to have a million followers on Instagram, which she makes very clear, uh, to benefit from what she's talking about. In fact, we talk a lot about what it means to be a micro-influencer and the power that micro-influencers have, and even nano-influencers, which is a term I hadn't even heard of before. So Rachel highlights the different strategies that you can use, the best strategies you can use to get the best possible brand sponsorships. And I loved it because she used actual examples of what she's done in the past and then also examples of what she would do if she were in that position today, if she was just starting to become an influencer today, what would really work? And some of the ideas she was throwing out there and some of the work that she's done, my goodness, I am not a travel influencer 
by any means. I'm not someone who likes to put themselves out on social media that much. So I just don't think that's the niche for me. But honestly, by the end of our conversation, I was Googling all sorts of ideas I had about different travel niches I could focus in on to grow a following and become an influencer. And I just felt so inspired. So this is an episode for you. Definitely, if you are an influencer or if you're interested in becoming one, but you're worried that you feel like you've missed the boat, that maybe it's too late to to grow an Instagram following today. And she, I'll tell you right now, says, no way. Uh, there are ways into it. And she describes in really plain terms, the steps that you need to take to be successful in today's market. So I loved our conversation and I really hope you do as well. And again, if you haven't already, I've said this, I sound like a broken record now, but it just means a lot to me. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast or leave a review. It means so much and I love reading all of them. So please, 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 uh, I encourage you to do so. And sorry that some of the episodes have been not as not coming out as regularly as they were previously. And I'll tell you right now, that's not because there's a lack of work going on behind the scenes. It's actually, there's a lot of work going on and we've got a lot of exciting things coming out in the future. And I'm essentially just been really busy preparing for that release. So hopefully I can share a bit more in a few weeks time, in a few episodes. Uh, but I do want to say that I promise you've got a lot to look forward to. This podcast is by no means ending or slowing down. We've just had a few delays at the start of this year, 2022, if you're listening in the future, but there will be many, many more episodes to come. Let's get right into it. I hope you enjoy this episode with Rachel Hill of Rachel Travels. All right. Hello, Rachel. Welcome to the Travel Business Lounge. Thank you for agreeing to chat with me today. Thank you so much for having me, Kara. And as I was just saying off the recording, I just kept reading your name everywhere as the go-to person when it comes to influencer marketing within the travel space. And I'm so curious to learn more about your background, your experience, because you started as an influencer yourself, and then you've transitioned out of that, it seems. And now you're teaching yes. people, focus mostly on teaching other people how to how to do that. So let's get into it. Tell me how you got into all of this. Yes. So originally, my story was much like many of our stories, right? Like um, after graduating from high school, I went to college. And after graduating from college, I got a job at a Fortune Top 50 corporation. And I was making a lot of money. And this is at the top of 2010. So right around the the job um, market was kind of crashing a little bit. So I was super grateful to have such an amazing job paying, you know, a lot of money at that time, right, right out of college. Um, and so I did live that life, that narrative of, you know, going to work every day, living for the weekends, living for brunch, um, working my way up the corporate ladder, dealing with corporate politics, trying to understand how to navigate in this space. And also, I was working in, in tech. And so being a young black woman at that time in tech almost a decade ago was still very new, right? And it's still a lot of barriers there now. But, you know, just a decade ago, it was really difficult for me. And so I worked in corporate America maybe about five or six years and I decided 
mm, this is probably not going to work for me. And I wasn't aware of what would work for me. But I did know that I love to travel. I had always traveled. I traveled a little bit in high school. I was in an international studies magnet program. And then where I took a few foreign languages and I've you know, traveled in uh, college a little bit and I traveled as an adult working, right? But of course they weren't extensive trips because I'm working in corporate America. I got two weeks a year, right? Yeah. Um, and so I decided that I'm not sure what I want to do, but I do have like, I'm young, I'm not married. I don't have children. I don't have a dog. I don't have these like big responsibilities. I still have like a little more in me that I want to get out of my system before I really commit to this particular lifestyle, right? And so I decided to leave my my quote good job. And at the same time, I also should preface that I was suffering from anxiety disorder and depression. Again, trying to navigate being a woman of color in an environment that is 98% older white male dominated, right? So that just weighed a lot on my mental health. And so I just decided I will take a year break. I'm going to do like the eat, pray, love thing. That movie <laughs> came out not that long, like before the book and the movie. So I was like, you know what? Why can't I have one of those experiences right before I decide to, like I said, commit to this particular lifestyle? And so I left my corporate job and I booked a one way ticket to Thailand where I was just planning to backpack for, you know, just a few months. And then I would come back home to the state, apply for a job, and then move forward. And from there, I just never returned to work. And what that looked like is I went to Thailand. And in Thailand, I met so many people who had the same idea as me. Like, I thought I was this anomaly, this like crazy person mm -hmm. that just couldn't deal. And I met so many backpackers and you know, what we call now digital nomads in Thailand and, you know, meeting people who are working online and, you know, it just opened up a huge world for me. And so I actually learned how, you know, having a, a business and a tech background, I learned from a guy that I met in a hostel, how to take these skills and, and bring them online and make money for myself. And so I was like, okay, cool. And then at the same time, I started a blog and Essentially, I started the blog because I was, you know, really exhausted trying to repeat the stories to my parents and to my friends. And I was like, maybe I'll just write it down and put it online and then everyone can read it. And then when I speak to them, we can go into like details. And from there, um, once I learned, once I started sharing my stories on the blog, I would maybe share it on Facebook and then some posts would go wild or people are like, how are you doing this thing? Right. And so it just grew and grew and grew. I created the brand racheltravels.com and it grew from me even, you know, posting on Instagram. Instagram was a fairly new app at the time, right? Like there was no instant messages. There weren't any of the features that are there now. It was simply hashtags and maybe like eight filters. And so I started posting on Instagram and, you know, I saw people using hashtags and I was meeting people through hashtags or, you know, finding really cool places to see and go. And from there, the brand Rachel Travels started to grow on Instagram. And then from there, hotels would see that I was in the area and would, you know, want me to write, you know, about their their property or, you know, write about a particular destination that I was in in my experience, especially from the lens of a black woman. And so I realized I could make money 
by sharing my experiences and taking really cool pictures. And this is even before influencer was a word. I was a blogger back then. And so when I realized there was so much opportunity to continue to to travel, which is really my goal at the time, I just want to keep traveling until I get the itch out of my system. I, I was still planning to go back to work. And yeah, and I looked up and in seven years, I, you know, traveled, then it moved into helping destinations, you know, create really unique marketing campaigns and, and finding influencers that are from different backgrounds, like Black American travelers, Hispanic American travelers, Asian American travelers, the LGBTQ community, and how they travel in different destinations and how can you position a brand, a destination to look appealing to these uh, micro niches of travelers, if you will, not so much micro now, but yeah, my brand started to evolve over the years, just from blogging to consulting. And then, you know, after a while, this gets exhausting. Traveling has been amazing, but you know, I, you get older, your body can't handle it anymore and your priorities change. And so I, one day, actually right before the pandemic in 2019, I was like, this was such an amazing experience that I've had for about seven years. And even during that time, I was like, this is great. I want to write about it. So I was transitioning into helping other people who were traveling or wanted to travel, how they can tell stories from their perspective, um, their own unique perspectives and share it to the world and also monetize their voices. Right. So that is the long story of (laughs) Rachel Travels. That's such an amazing story. And I love that it happened so organically that you just wanted a bit of a break from corporate America. And then you just found a new passion in travel and writing blogs and now helping other people uh, achieve that same success that you've had. Uh, I have so many questions for you. Yes. Um, <laughs> when you first got to Thailand and you said, you know, you know, I, I'm interested in trying to make some money while I'm here, maybe extend my stay. Was your income, the first money that you were bringing in, was that directly from your blog or were you doing other digital nomad work as well back then? So at the time, I was actually just living off savings when I first got to Thailand. But again, I within I think within the first week and a half while I was there, I met a guy who was just working online and making money. And he was like, I have this coach. I took this course. And I was like, wait a minute, I don't have to burn through my savings. I can like make money and also have savings. So I was thinking from a lens of not going broke and to prolong my trip. But the first way that I started to make money was actually creating travel guides right? Like I was in Thailand and people wanted to know, especially other black Americans who were following me at the time, like, what are you eating there? Where are you staying? You know, there's a lot of misconceptions about, you know, travelers from other demographics and how we're perceived in certain places. So answering those questions and creating, you know, a guide. And at the time, Canva was new, right? Mm -hmm. Like it had not all the features that it has today. But yeah, I actually started making my first dollars from, again, guides and even consulting. People wanted to talk to me for an hour just to pick my brain. And so that is actually some of, like, that's when I really realized I could make money just from sharing my story. That's amazing. And were these guides just like digital PDF downloads that people could buy? Yeah. So again, super easy. Yep. I created some digital downloads. 
And based on what people were buying or what they were interested in, I could break it down, right? I realized people really wanted to know about food. And I realized that was like a whole niche and genre. So yeah, I just created it digitally because I also knew it was something that could be delivered super quickly and easily as well. Yeah, definitely the most efficient way to get content out there, um, long form content, at least. Now, you mentioned that Instagram was a big source of driving traffic to your blog. Was that also how you first started getting connected with brands or tell us about the relationship between Instagram and the rest of your business? Yeah. So when I started, Instagram was, I actually remember um, when a friend of mine told me about Instagram, he's like, there's this new app. You just post photos and you can put a filter on it. And I was like, okay. You know, he's like, it's kind of like a Facebook, but just pictures. And so I thought that was kind of cool. And again, I downloaded the app and, you know, at the beginning, they say, here are some people you can follow. So I just followed a few folks and I noticed these hashtags. And when I started clicking these hashtags, I could see other people doing whatever the thing was, right? Like if it was pizza or something, right? Like it would be all these different photos of pizza. So then I started putting a hashtag like backpacker, right? And then when I saw backpacker, I was like, because digital nomad wasn't a word back then. It was like backpacker. So when I would type that in, I was like, oh, wow, there are so many people backpacking to all these cool destinations. And then I realized that was, it kind of clicked. Like this is actually a way to get information and for me to find other people because I would see people who were backpackers in Thailand and I would reach out to them under a photo and say, hey, I'm headed here. You know, do you have any advice? And they might say, sure, here's my email or something like that, right? So when I realized it was a way to easily connect with other people, I used it more so as a tool for me as a solo traveling woman to post where I am, but also to meet people or for people to find me. So, you know, I wouldn't be alone the entire time. But again, as the app grew and as more people started to follow me and find me, brands started to find me in the area or, you know, see some really cool photos and say, Hey, you know, if you're, if you're ever in this area, please come by and have lunch on us or something like that. And I was like, Whoa, I'm getting free lunches. Like (laughs) this is kind of cool. And so I would say that's kind of how it, again, it was super organic. I was more from a selfish lens of like, maybe this is a way I can meet people who are also out here instead of just at a hostel. Maybe I can meet people who have also done what I've done or who, you know, have discovered these cool places or restaurants. Let me see if they can tell me the address or something like that. So it was more so a tool. And then it definitely became great for traffic and saying like, Hey, I almost got arrested in Kenya. You want to read the story about what happened? (laughs) Go to my blog. Right. So yeah, that's how it started. That's really interesting. And I mean, Instagram, I think still is great for connecting people, but it's changed so much, like just the way you've described it. It was the Wild West back then. And now it's yes. there's so much you have to consider when you're trying to be strategic on Instagram. So one of the questions I really want to ask you is when people come to you and say that they want to be a travel influencer, do you think it's still possible today? Like if you're starting from scratch, it's, it's a completely different journey. I think you have to go on than what you did seven years ago, but what, what advice would you give to someone who's just starting out who has no followers on Instagram or any other platform? 
Yeah, so I do think I do believe it is definitely possible, right? I think even when it comes to brands and how they market, they are moving away from a lot of these big celebrities or what we call um, macro influencers or those sorts of things, right? Like your Kim Kardashians and some of your influencers that have a million, millions plus followers. Brands are more so looking to work with what they consider regular everyday people or people who you feel you can resonate with, right? That you could be friends with, that you would go and have coffee with. Um, because when we think about it, how many of us really think that we could go have coffee with a Kim Kardashian? <laughs> or, you know, or you look at a, an influencer who may have, you know, 5,000 to 15,000 followers and you're like, yeah, she has followers, but she's, she seems cool. She seems like the type of girl that I would travel with or she seems like, you know, we have the same travel style, right? So I would say from a perspective from brands, they are absolutely still looking to work with influencers or content creators, whatever the new term is right now. And I do believe it's possible for people starting over to become an influencer. However, I would say it's not about, I'll just use me as an example. You can't really say, hi, I'm a, I'm a young black woman. I'm a millennial black woman that's traveling solo. That story is kind of already done, that there's no more juice in it, if you will. So how can you go a little bit deeper? Um, and how can you be an influencer that niches into something very specific? So an example would be if I, if I wanted to start today, it would be that maybe I'm a millennial black woman scuba diver, right? Like I'm a certified scuba diver. I can't think of very many black women influencers who are divers who maybe travel around and test diving equipment and go to different dive shops around the world and different, you know, dives and different things like that. So I would say it's possible, but you have to niche down a little bit more than trying to do a catch-all, which I think a lot of people try to get caught up in. I want to be the representative for my demographic, whatever that looks like, versus, you know, going a bit deeper and finding something you're really passionate about and then being the go-to person, the expert there. Yeah, I love that. And I think as a consumer of content, I appreciate, I'm always looking for the expert, the go-to person on a particular subject. So if I can find someone who is an expert on the specific thing I'm interested in, I'm going to buy whatever product or service they're suggesting rather than right. the person, like you said, who just is the generic travel influencer. Yes. Would you say, obviously you love Instagram and you've had a lot of success on Instagram. Would you say it's still the go-to platform for travel influencers today or like something like TikTok? Is that, do you think it's easier to gain traction on different platforms? So if I could recommend for anyone to start over, I would definitely go to TikTok first. Although it was an app originally designed for young, young people, I've just seen brands and even some of my clients who 90 days on TikTok, three days on TikTok, and they have hundreds of thousands of followers and brands are reaching out to them with five and six figure brand deals. Like it's insanity. Um, and I think a huge part of TikTok is the fact that you have to have these micro videos, right? So there's not a lot of hashtagging. There's not a lot of caption reading. There is just what can you create between one and three minutes that is so beautiful and so impactful or so informational or entertaining or whatever that looks like in order to capture your audience? 
And so if you can master that skill, I think that TikTok is the way to go. And again, the barrier to entry is so much shorter that I've seen over the last decade of being in this industry is the shortest I've seen compared to YouTube or compared to Instagram or some of these other platforms. Yeah. And it seems that if you have success on TikTok, then that usually translates to a growing audience on YouTube, a growing audience on Instagram. So it's a good way to just funnel people to the rest of your platforms. Absolutely. Especially like your, like you said, your YouTubes where, you know, you have videos that live forever on there and that are great for SEO, but take much longer uh, for people to find you or for it to rank within Google or whatever search term. So I think, like I said, I think TikTok, if I was a start over, I would definitely start on TikTok and, and understand how it works and understand what people want to see. Because outside of that, I don't think there's much of a strategy except for how many people like and see it, right? So you want to make it as visually appealing as quickly as possible. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'd really like to get into pitching to brands because that seems to be your particular expertise. And I'm fascinated to hear how you suggest people go about it. But to start, just so to make sure we're all on the same page, could you describe what does it mean to pitch to a brand? What does that relationship usually look like? Like what service are you providing in exchange for what? Right. So what it looks like to pitch a brand is essentially to pitch your your brand as the influencer, um, as the creative agency or the the media company, however you want to position it, right? Because there are influencers who are just drone shots as an example, which would be considered media. And you would say, go to a company, go to another larger brand who is looking to expand their brand awareness or looking to sell a product or service or who is looking for more people to come to their destination, which is a lot of the things that I did. So you would essentially go to these people and say, hey, look at my brand. This is what my specialty is. This is what my audience likes. This is what they don't like. This is their price point. This is these are the type of experiences they desire to have. This is the type of content that I create, whether it's on video or TikTok or Instagram or whatever that looks like, writing content, podcasting. And would you be interested in paying me to help your brand get in front of my audience? Right. So for me, as a a black American woman. I knew how much Black Americans spent in travel. So at the time when I was heavily pitching brands, I believe it was upward of $50 billion a year just in travel alone. So what I would say is like, hey, you know, I'll give you a better example. I worked with Visit Finland. Finland is in, in the Arctic Circle at that. So culturally, most Black people in the diaspora don't like Arctic temperatures. Like it's a known fact that most black people, if you ask them, don't like being in super cold weather, especially negative degrees. So how do you convince a group of people who is willing to spend, so I just say we spent 50 plus billion dollars a year in travel, who are willing to spend and want to have these unique experiences and who want to, you know, try all these different things. How do you convince them to come to a destination that historically has weather that we don't like and from a perception of there's not many people who look like me here. So how do you convince them, right? So for me, I would go to them and say, here's my idea. 
we I can bring a group of different types of influencers of color. I have a Hispanic influence. I have an Asian influence. I have black influencers. I have a group of people and we're going to come to Finland and we're going to shoot a quote rap video. And we are going to do all of the things that you do in the Arctic Circle, which looks like snowmobiling, ice fishing, sleeping in an igloo, all of these things that people who go to the Arctic Circle like to do, right? And so that was a way that you can pitch a brand thing. I know that you haven't thought about creating a rap video for Finland, right? Like I know no one's told you that. So let me do it (laughs) and let me help a different demographic of people that you haven't really thought about because you don't know what you don't know. Let me help you get in front of this audience. And then out of that, I'm sure you'll have plenty of people who are now interested in going to Finland. And so that is what pitching a brand is, is essentially saying, I have something to offer you. And in exchange for this offering, there is obviously some sort of transaction, right? Whether that looks like a payment, whether that looks like uh, all expense paid trip somewhere, it obviously depends. Now, as far as your offerings, you know, this is relative to each influencer, if you will, right? Or content creator, whatever it is that they create. Because if I just do video, then perhaps it would be, we can create five videos for this, or we can create, you know, five 20 minute videos and a few snippets, right? So you can put them on TikTok, you can do this and that. So you would kind of build out what you could offer and you would go from there. Then of course it's, it's the it's a negotiation. So you may have to go to the negotiating table and, you know, decide what works best for both brands. But what I like to say is essentially you want to make sure that this transaction and interaction is mutually beneficial, right? A lot of times people are, are like, especially when they want to get into the influencer space or content creation, I want to travel the world and go on all these free trips, which is a great perk of this, but there's also a lot of work. And if you aren't passionate about creating video, editing video, watching the same video over and over, if you're not passionate about writing, if you're not passionate about taking photography and really capturing the essence of a thing, if you're not really dedicated to your craft, um, it's not going to be easy to to convince a brand to, to work with you. And it's going to be hard to produce quality content as well. So fascinating. I love that example of the Finland partnership because you've you obviously found a destination where you're like, I can, they haven't been able to tap into this particular market, but I can help them get access to that market yes. through creating this rap video. So do you do that sort of research before you get in touch with brands? Do you look at, you know, what specifically you can offer? Because it seems like there's a lot of strategy there. Yeah. So I would definitely... You know, that is actually the the key to winning these pitches, right, is to find the challenge or find what they're missing. And for me, it was very easy at the time, just being a Black American woman, I could say as a whole, these all these people are looking at my particular brand and or I have access to a more networks, right? With these people, I can get my videos in front of these people. This is my reach. So at the time, it was very easy to pinpoint. And again, this is almost a decade ago. It's very easy to say not a lot of Black people are traveling to the Arctic Circle. You know, that was very easy. Or I could say that about Thailand at the same time. Now the narrative has changed. So I would say, again, finding 
where there's an opportunity to speak more. I'll give you an example. I'm here in Mexico and I'm in the Kitana Roo area. So from Cancun all the way down to Tulum. And there has been a huge influx of digital nomads here. So if I was, you know, someone who was creating content and I want to work with this region or work with Mexico tourism or whatever that looks like, then I would say we should create a campaign to to show people how amazing this region of Mexico is for digital nomads. There's not a lot of information. People don't know what the Wi-Fi speed is like. There's always questions about safety. So I would look around and say, where are there the gaps and where can I fill in the gaps? That to me is the best strategy because a lot of times brands are also very tunnel vision focused and they can't see a lot of these other outliers. And a lot of times in those outliers, there's a lot of opportunity for partnerships and for money. Again, that's a $52 billion market that you haven't tapped into. So if I can say this is what you're not getting a slice of, then they're going to say, okay, we need to figure out how to get a slice of that. What do we need to do? So finding the challenge and where you can answer that need is the way to do this. Uh, I mean, I'm not a travel influencer at all, but I've just, my wheels are spinning just thinking of like, what could I, how could I market a place in a different way? It's so interesting. Yeah, I've met all sorts of influencers. I have a really good friend who's a history influencer. So she actually travels in her specialty, if you will, is kind of like UNESCO sites and historical sites and things like that. And so she is able to pitch to these historical sites all around the world and say, hey, I am a history influencer and I want to share more about this particular uh, historical monument. And this is my blog. You know, she's able to kind of share her data. So even thinking about it, you know, some people are like, oh, I don't know what to do, but whatever you're interested in, I can assure you there is a group of people who want like you said, an expert to follow, right? There's fishing influencers. When you think about the type of equipment, is it deep sea fishing? You know, like what type of hooks? Think about things like that in all the places in the world that you could go fishing, <laughs> deep sea fishing at that, right? So there is a lot. I would look at what you're, again, what you're passionate about and see and what people come to you the most about. And that in itself, you could be a, an expert in that lane, if you will. That's great. Would you say that you mostly pitch to tourism boards or are you pitching to like a specific hotel or a specific restaurant? Is it better to go for the bigger umbrella brand? It depends on the type of uh, content creator you are, but I will share with you what I did. It also depends too on if you are trying to either visit a destination and or get paid, right? So if you're pitching a destination, sometimes destinations have a budget for influencers that could look like a payment for content. Sometimes it could look like what we call a press trip or a familiarization trip where they'll say, we can't pay you, but we can send you on this five-star trip across Greece, as an example. And in some cases, it's more beneficial for you to take the five-star 10-day trip around Greece than the payment, right? Because if they're only paying you, I'll just throw out a number, $5,000. In theory, it sounds cool, but that trip is a five-star trip. You wouldn't have been able to 
do a fraction of the trip on 5K, right? So in some cases, you have to weigh and decide what it is that you want. But I've also worked with hotels as well. Sometimes hotels, especially uh, privately owned hotels, have budgets for working with influencers. And in that case, because they're small boutique hotels, perhaps they can't afford to hire a videographer and pay influencers. So it's much more beneficial just to pay an influencer to do the content creation and to blast it in front of their audience, right? So it's benefits to each one, even when it comes to products, right? Some product brands can afford to pay you for a campaign. Some can just afford to give you an affiliate commission or can just give you products. So I would say it's really up to you. Um, and you can decide whether or not you want to work with a brand if they have a budget or if you are more so interested in just the experience or the product. Or like I said, you could also negotiate a, an affiliate commission as well if they can't pay you, which in many cases is much more beneficial anyway, because you get paid every time someone purchases and it's an ongoing thing, depending on how you write up your contract, obviously. So. Right. Interesting. And are you, is it mostly, are you mostly creating content that you're then sharing on your own social media platforms to your audience? Or are you also creating content like videos or photos that you give to the, that brand to then share and use and do whatever they like with? So I would say it depends, right? So you can negotiate whether or not that you either want. So there's a few ways that you could do it. You can either say, you can only post on your particular uh, social channels. There is also, sometimes brands may say we not own the rights to this. So if you are okay with them owning the rights to it, then that means that they can use it however they want. I don't personally recommend that. I would try to negotiate some sort of proprietary deal where they, they license out your, your content. Or you can say um, you can only use it for X amount of months or 30 days or whatever that looks like. So you are able to also, it's your content. And I think a lot of times as influencers or content creators, as new people, um, especially when you're new, you assume the brand has all the power because they have the, the money or the experience, but you can still negotiate what you want to happen with your content, right? Like you work so hard for this content for a brand to just take it for a few dollars and then now they make multi millions off of your amazing video, right? So I say like speak up about your content as well, just so you don't have those sort of issues. Cause I've seen it happen to people often more times than necessary, but I would definitely say try to negotiate how and when and where this, these brands are uh, sharing your content. Yeah. I think that's really good advice. And especially for anyone just getting started, it's easy to just want to do everything for nothing but it's important to make sure you're getting paid what you're what you're worth yes but also just going back to people who, who are just getting started what would you say is the or is there a minimum number of followers you need to have on different platforms to even pitch a brand at what point are you at the level where you should be pitching brands so there is like I, I mentioned earlier, is there's like a scale now of, and it may have changed because I know these sorts of things change often, but maybe two years ago, and this is like right before the pandemic, I know things are weird right now, so I can't really say, but you know, there's like a scale of influencers. So there's nano influencers, 
who are typically people who have about between a thousand to five thousand followers, which is not really hard to get at all, right? And there are influencers who are getting paid to have this like small number of followers, if you will. Now, I will say the these nano influencers typically have these super specific niches um, where brands want to pay them. So it might be, I'll just get back to the fishing example. Like you may be a deep sea fisherman who specializes in a titanium hook. I made that up, but that <laughs> might be, you know, something where, yeah, okay, you only have 3,000 followers, but 80% of them are enthusiasts of titanium hooks. So anything that you post, they're going to be a huge like conversion in sales as an example, right? Um, and then you have your, your micro influencers and it just kind of goes up and up. So I would say if you could target a solid three to 5,000 real followers, not fake followers, but people who actually engage with you, if you can prove that you have a high engagement rate, and there's tools online, free tools that you can use. If you can show that, you know, people are actually clicking on your links. If you can show that people are, like I said, engaging with your photos, liking your photos, saving your photos. If you are able to show your demographic and say, look, my audience is 76% women. And we know that women make up like 90% of purchasing decisions. <laughs> like, you know, if you're able to prove that your brand is solid, then you don't need 20, 30, 50, 100,000 followers in order to start pitching brands. Like I said, a lot of times brands would prefer to have small but mighty, work with small but mighty influencers and content creators versus these huge mega influencers who, again, don't have the same type of conversion rates. They charge way more, but maybe their conversion rates are the same as these uh, micro influencers, right? Because a lot of times these huge accounts have a lot of bots and things like that, or you can't, you know, it's hard for you to sift through their content or figure out what's going on. So again, brands are moving more towards a small but mighty model versus paying, you know, one huge mega influencer and getting the same result as like paying 10 micro influencers. So you're, you're including that data in your pitch of like, I have this sort of open rate. I've got this number of engaged followers. You're you're referring brands to specific numbers to prove your influence. Yes. And it's super easy. I mean, if we are looking at Instagram as an example, you could go quickly to your analytics, right? And say, look what this photo that I took in Thailand did. I got, you know, even though I have a a 3,000 followers, I got 1,000 likes on this photo and, you know, a hundred people saved it. Like this is the type of content that I could create for your brand that could get the same amount of results. That's brilliant. I've enjoyed this conversation so much, Rachel. I can Thank see you how you me. I can see why you've been so successful. You're just so <laughs> interesting and so clever. I'm sure that there's going to be people listening who want to learn more about you and are super interested in your services as an advisor to people wanting to become travel influencers. So can you share where and how people can get in touch with you? Yes. So if you go to racheltravels.com, that is my travel blog. I will preface that it hasn't been updated in a while, but you will find links to my book and to pitch templates. It's called the pitch fix. 
So if you want some pre-written templates that um, I have been using for the past decade to land these deals, you can also grab it there. I don't have Instagram anymore. Unfortunately, I am one of the influencers that got hacked and I never got <laughs> my account back. So I just kind of oh, chopped no. it up to, you know, the world and all the things that are shifting. So <laughs> other than that, I'm so grateful that you, you know, had me on today to have this conversation. No, thank you. The, the pleasure is all mine. You have been such an inspiration and thank you so much and best of luck. Enjoy Mexico. Enjoy the sunshine. Thank you. You do the same. (laughs) 